these words again from 2 Peter 3, beginning in verse 1. And the title of this message is The Soon Coming End. And Lord willing, we will spend some time on this subject, perhaps next week, maybe even for a third week. Verse 1 of 2 Peter 3 This is now, beloved, the second letter I'm writing to you in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Now let me stop there and say what he is doing is he's calling in both the prophets that lived hundreds of years before and he's also calling in the apostles that now lived during his day. And he's saying both of those have credibility and they are giving prophecy from God. Verse 3. Know this first of all, that in the last days, mockers, scoffers, will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water, through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Remember, that was the covenant that God made. He would not destroy the earth again with water, but in the last days it would be destroyed by fire. Verse 8. Do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you and me, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burnt up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God? because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. This message that comes to us today from these words of Scripture is that yes, with a certainty, there is a soon coming end of the days of this earth. And yes, to many people who hear Bible prophecies such as these, we preachers probably remind them of those doomsday bearded hippies of the 1960s that used to walk around with a sign on their chest declaring that the earth is ending, the world is ending. But be that as it may and those critics as they will be critical, the days of this earth really are coming to an end. They really are. And no, it will not be as the environmentalists 
are declaring that it will come to an end. That people are destroying the earth with all of these natural pollutants and we're cutting down too many trees and we're using too much fossil fuels. Now all those things really may damage our environment. But that has nothing whatsoever to do with the message that's being given here. And I want us to understand that. Too much preaching has been given to how environmental things will be interlaced with what God is doing. It will not happen. This is God's hand. And by the way, neither is this end as the secular believing scientists allege it to be, where the earth having evolved itself out of some primordial ooze and through this big bang that they want to put forth to us, that just the same some millions of years from now, there will be a similar kind of big explosion, cosmic event, and that will destroy the earth. That has nothing to do with this either. Now those beliefs that they have, I know are to some degree comforting to them. Because they believe in those philosophies, they don't have to deal with the fact that God really did create them and God's going to be waiting at the end of these days. And they will be accountable. They just are blinded to that. Now, unfortunately, for all of those unbelieving people, just because they want to believe those are true, that does not make their fantasies true. You and I make that same kind of mistake. We do that with these scriptures too often. But for those unbelievers who are in those realms of science and all, those fantasies are not true just because they want them to be true. The real truth is that one day, one day, a day that's going to be much like this one, all of their fantasies will come crashing down on their heads. And they will then realize that it is these things that we're speaking about here that are the real truth. Will all of that take place and they not even know what's taking place? No. God will reveal Himself to them so that they know exactly what's taking place. And on that great and terrible day, they will be distressed and anguished like never before. And their suffering will be eternal. This that you and I have just read and heard, this is the truth. This is the only truth. All of those other stories that people want to believe, those fantasies, That's exactly what it is. Their stories and their fantasies. And where did they come from? They come from the liar. The chief of liars that the scripture speaks about. From Satan himself. Not at all unlike the first story he told. As he spoke to Adam and Eve and said, Surely you will not die if you turn away from God. This is the truth. The only truth that you and I have and we needed to be guided by it. The earth did not create itself. It did not create itself. No matter what all those people tell you on PBS, the earth did not create itself. And neither will it destroy itself. God has done it all. He spoke this earth into existence just by the power of His voice. And with that same thunderous voice, that same thunderous voice, He'll call everything to a close. And it will be exactly as we read here in these scriptures. And you and I can't, or anyone else, can't plead ignorance and say that we didn't know about all of this. As I mentioned a moment ago, Peter here is reminding us that these scriptures have poured out this truth 
for anyone to read and to understand for thousands of years. Listen again to these words in verses 1 and 2. I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior spoken by the apostles. Now, did you notice those words? In those words we're being told that the holy prophets, that would be Daniel, Ezekiel, and other prophets like him, Joel, they spoke of these very days before Jesus. They warned us that these last days were coming. Even defined just specific things that we can look at and see. And then also, 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave us the words of Matthew 24 and other scriptures. And then also these apostles that Peter spoke about here. Himself, Paul, John, the book of Revelations, warning us that there will surely come a day when the Lord Jesus will burst through those clouds and He'll come through thunderously, thunderously. And He'll call all of life on this earth to an end. And it will take place exactly as these scriptures are telling us. Verse 7, listen. But by His word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. And then in verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. And in verse 12, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. Now, in these words, Peter is giving the ultimate destruction of the earth and everyone who's left on it at the time. And that will surely take place exactly as he's told us here in these scriptures. Now, thankfully... Through it all, God does remain loving and generous. Listen, John 3.16, words that we've heard just thousands of times. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God is always being generous up until that very last moment. He really does love all people. All people. And He does not desire that any should perish. And though all men... You and I be wretchedly sinful. God is patient. These words, verse 9. The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. God is especially loving towards unbelievers and wanting them to come in. He's especially loving also to you and me, those who have put our trust in Him. Now for us, listen... This is so very important. For us, there will be a moment, a very special moment in time. Just before, now this is for us who have Him as our Savior and Lord. Just before He begins all of this mess that we've been reading about here, where He rains down intense heat that's spoken of there in, in verse 12, that fire and brimstone. How many times have you heard that Churches don't want to hear fire and brimstone sermons from their preacher. Well, let me say to you, fire and brimstone will come on that day. And it'll come from the Lord. But just before that takes place, it may be 
Just a moment. But it'll probably be maybe even a few years, depending upon how much of the tribulation has and has yet to take place at that moment. But just before he rains down this fire and brimstone, you and I, all that believe, all that have him as our Savior and Lord, will be raptured off of this earth. There we'll be united with him and all of those who have died in Christ before us will be there in heaven. As all of this awful melting and fire and burning will start taking place on the earth. Let me read about that. First Thessalonians 4, verse 16. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command. Remember that thunderous voice? For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. That is wonderful news, folks. That is wonderful news. And that is news that tells us that we don't have to worry about the end of days. This is what's going to take place with all who have put their trust in Christ. Both those who have already died. Remember there? He said, And the dead in Christ will rise first. So all those who have died in Christ, for them, but also for us, if we are still remaining on this earth, just a moment perhaps, before all of the fire and brimstone starts, you and I, will be raptured off of this earth. We'll be caught up. The word rapture means to be caught up, to be with Him in the heavens forever. And as that old hymn says, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Now, another verse, considering that moment that we'll be raptured out. May I mention a verse that you need to remember. This is critical that you remember this. This is 1 Thessalonians 5. Verse 9, For God has not destined us, those of us who believe, God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with Him. Whether we are on the earth at the time, or we have already died and are in the grave, God's wrath is not intended for you and me who believe. That is a wonderful promise. There's just so many of this and, and so many other scriptures that assure us that you and I do not suffer through the wrath of God. Not if we have Christ as our Savior. We'll not go through, verse 7, the fire, the judgment, the destruction. Verse 10, we'll not go through the, where the elements are destroyed with intense heat and burned up. Verse 12, we'll not go through the destruction by burning the elements with that melt with intense heat. That is the wrath of God. And God's wrath is not poured out upon believers. It is poured out upon unbelievers. Those people who have refused to come to Him and receive His salvation. There are just numerous verses to support that. God's wrath will be poured out on unbelievers and it will be suffering like no other suffering imaginable. So, may I say it to us again and again.
that God's wrath truly is reserved for those who have denied Him. But for you and me, and for all the other people who have Him as our Savior and Lord, throughout all of time, we will be completely and eternally spared from God's wrath. But now, you say, but what about? What about all of those books we've read and so much of the implication from such like the series of the Left Behind series, with all of this comforting thought of how God's wrath will not be poured out upon us, in these last days, the ones that we're living in now, we believers truly will be subjected to wrath, but it'll be the wrath of man. It'll be the wrath of man, the unbelieving people around us, and also especially our government leaders, whether it be our own government or governments in other lands. How do we know that? Matthew 24, listen to these words, talking about the end of days. Matthew 24, verse 4. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. The end is not yet. The rapture has not taken place for us, and then the total end is not. He says, verse 7, For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. We talked about this last week. You can just see it especially just starting to explode all over in the Mideast in the last ten years. All of those countries falling under this nation against nation. And then there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. Described in other places being like birth pains. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then, listen, wrath, the wrath of man. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation. They will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And that's what I was mentioning to you earlier. It's taking place in so many churches these days. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Can you imagine that circumstance now? Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Neighborhoods will be turned against neighborhoods, and you'll be wanting to go into Walmart to get food, and you'll not be able to. Will you be willing then to take your gun and to feed your family? You become violent like they are. These kinds of things are going to be choices that you and I are going to face if these days come to us during our lifetime. Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end, listen, but he who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. You and I have to endure to the end. That's our end in this mess will be the rapture when we are raptured out. But we have to endure a lot of sufferings. And it'll take place. It will take place. If not in our lifetime, real soon with our children, grandchildren. There's going to be turbulent times. Satan knowing 
that his days are numbered. He will go into this frenzy. But again, you and I have to endure it to the end. Verses 8 and 9. Why? Why is it important that you and I endure to the end? Do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but listen to these words, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. You and I are going to have to suffer so that others will have the opportunity to come to repentance. Are you willing to do that? That's what God is waiting on even today, for people to turn and repent. Now, you recall that in Jesus' first days of His ministry, or just before His ministry started, God sent out a forerunner. He sent out His messenger, John the Baptist. And do you remember what His message was about? It's about repentance. That was the focus of everything that John the Baptist was preaching. Turn your hearts from your desperately wicked and deceitful ways. Turn from your depravity and repent. And let me say to you and me, we are today's John the Baptist. That's what God is calling you and me to. We are to preach this message of repentance to all who would listen. Repentance is that one of those most important moments in any person's life. It's that moment of choice, of knowing that yes, yes I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I need to turn from my ways and find relief. And that uh, the only relief that I'm going to be able to find is in Christ. When people do that, and it'll come from messages like you and me sharing with them. There is a repentance that is sufficient unto salvation. And that's what God is calling us to here. And He's saying He is patient. He's not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to that repentance. Now, before we close today, may I confess to you that I am continually dismayed at the sinful behavior of most of the people of this world. I do know that it's depraved. I am still suffering with the same kinds of of depravity that I came into this Christianity with. I don't want to, but I struggle with sin all of the time. But the people of this world who don't have Christ, they do things that I don't understand anymore. I'm glad I don't understand it, but I'm dismayed by it, and especially the dictates and behaviors of our government leaders. And in my dismay, how many times have I said even in your presence, especially in my dear wife and family's presence. Oh, I wish the Lord would come on and come today. Lord, come on back. Come on now. Thankfully, God doesn't think that way. Thankfully, He's more generous than I am. He is patiently waiting, as that verse tells us, for people to repent. And you and I need also to have that same patience. And I want to close with the words of a song that's just been going over and over again in my mind since I've started studying through this recently here. And it's one that I've mentioned to you in the past. It's one of the old gospel song, Wait a Little Longer, Please Jesus. So let me close with some of the words of that old song. The writer wrote, Here the labor is so hard, and the workers are so tired, and our weary hearts are yearning for a rest. 
And we find we're getting anxious to be in that happy land where we'll receive such peace and happiness. But then we look around us and we say, but wait a little longer, please, Jesus. There are so many wandering out in sin. Just a little longer, please, Jesus. A few more days to get our loved ones in. And then up close in the family. The family is scattered here and there. But Lord, we love them dear. And maybe we can help them find a way. So then if waiting is the cost, that they may not be lost, that would be the reason why I would say, wait a little longer, please, Jesus. There are so many wandering out in sin. Just a little longer, please, Jesus. A few more days to get our loved ones in. Amen. Let's pray.